If you have your Bibles tonight, take it and turn to the book in the New Testament, the book of Romans. That's a very popular book for many Christians. The first thing we learn when we are starting to become disciples is how to lead someone by the Romans road. Amen. I know many times I've used the Romans road and I've had a track that had the Romans road in it. Um, but many times that's what the first verses are that we learn in, in the book of John, the book of Romans. And, and those are because those things speak really, really very, very keenly on what God is trying to do with people. And that is to save them. As I sang in that one song, you rescued us. He came just to do that. And he did. He, his mission was to come to die. And then he rose again. And because of that, we have hope and we have life. And now he's seated at the right hand of the father and he intercedes on our behalf. He's like our lawyer, our advocate, the Bible says. And so no matter what you have tonight that you're dealing with, the challenges that you face, God understands. He understood so much that he would not leave you empty-handed. He would give you comfort in those times. And not just comfort, but joy. The Bible also says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it's that joy so many times that I see people, whether they be Christian or lost, they don't have joy. They have money. They have all this stuff, but they don't have joy. But for the believer of God, the child of God, I think it's kind of like uh, out of sync how can you say you know Jesus, but you don't exhibit the joy of Jesus? Jesus Christ died so that we may live. Amen. So tonight I want to take you to a couple of passages. Uh, if you were going to entitle this as a message, if you wanted to do that, you could simply call this the power of. And there are many blanks that we could fill in after that. But I'm going to cover three areas if we have enough time. And the first thing I want to talk about is the power of the gospel. So when we heard the word gospel. The gospel simply is translated as this, good news. Good news. Amen. I remember years ago, we, had, we always had different pageants. Every year we had different songs. One of those years, we had a song that said, good news, good news. And that, that simply means the gospel. And so many times when people say, well, you, what kind of church do you go to? Well, I go to a gospel church. They're, they're taken by it. They're like, what? Is that one of those old-fashioned churches? There's nothing old-fashioned about the gospel because it's still current. I just have news for you. It's good news. Say good news for me tonight. Good news. Look at your neighbor. Say, good news. Good news. Amen. It should be good news for the Christian, and it should be good news for this world. And so let's look in Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 16. We all know this verse. Let's say it out loud together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And the reason I had us read that is because that's where it begins. The gospel of Jesus Christ contains every bit of power that the believer needs in order to walk a victorious life. When we have that word power, dynamus, you know, dynamite, something that's magnificent, that is exactly what the, the Bible says the gospel is. It's the power unto salvation. And so the believer has the ability to live and to walk in a lifestyle of victory. And the moment you become saved, you're saying that you're putting all of your confidence, every last bit of your faith, every last ounce of your trust in the one who's given it to you. Your full assurance in Jesus who provides the good news, Jesus Christ himself. It's this way. So you don't have to worry about where you're going to spend your eternity because Jesus has already settled that. For the believer who says, I want you as Lord and Savior, it's done. It's finished. It's been done. 
He says it's been done. In your eternity, your deliverance from eternal death has been secured in Christ Jesus and in Christ alone. So this is why the Apostle Paul says it is the power of God unto salvation. All people can achieve this status as the invitation has been extended, but not only to the Jew, but to the Greek, or more perfectly, Gentiles. So all that means is this. God didn't want anyone to perish. The word tells us he's not willing that any should perish, but that should all should come to repentance. Amen. You've heard that many, many years. You've heard that in this church, but it's true. And so often we think, well, that was just for his people. No, we've been grafted in as Gentiles. And that's what he's talking about with the Greeks. So you and I, though we look different, some of us look more handsome than others. Some of us more pretty than others. Doesn't matter. God loves you all the same. And he gave us all the same opportunity But the problem is not everyone has received that opportunity. Not everyone knows of that good news. Not everyone understands the power of that good news. So if I get a little bit uh, more casual here for a second, we go around and we say we have the greatest thing, right? Jesus. I know Jesus. He is my Lord. He's my Savior. But I've never met someone who knew Christ, who truly understood the role that Jesus Christ can play in his life that would come off as a dictator or as a, an, uh, a warlord or anything like that, forcing someone to receive something because Jesus has never done that. God doesn't do that. God gives us a free will to choose. And for us tonight that are here, many of us have chosen him as our only way. Amen. And so we have that good news. What would it look like if I were to take the good news, the power of the gospel, To someone out here in this world who has never heard, who doesn't know, who doesn't quite understand what you get every Sunday morning here through songs, through testimonies, through events, through the message. They're not in the cycle of truth, but yet their idea and their image of God is based upon what they think it is like. And many times what they think it is like is so way off. Have you ever met someone like that? They feel like, well, you're going to preach to me, or you're going to put me down, or you're going to judge me. I hear that a lot. Um, It's not a matter of me that I'm going to judge them. It's something that they're doing on their own. They don't even realize it. But I think a lot of times we do ourselves a, a big injustice by how we present the gospel. We don't present it as something that's joyful. We don't present it as something that's going to be happy. Yes, there is a real reality that if people are lost, they're going to die and go to hell. I didn't write that. God said that. Right? But he gave us a way of escape through Jesus Christ. That is the answer. And I think if we were to tend to focus more on the answer than the problem, then people would see a little bit different uh, avenue of, of why we're saying this is the best life you could ever live. Um, I've met people that say, I'm a Christian and, and I love Jesus and I think everyone should love Jesus. And that's exactly how they say it. Well, if I see that, I was telling the choir yesterday, it doesn't kind of match what you're telling me. Do you understand? If I say, my mom's pie is the best pie in the world. It's so good. Well, you'll want 15th, not just seconds. Do you want that pie? No. You're like, your mother can't cook, right? (laughs) It was never true in my house. My mother was an incredible cook, yeah. And then those who knew me as a kid always saw I was healthy, right? I always had that big smile for a reason. She would make the biggest pan of cornbread when I was playing football. I'm digressing now, so I'm going to tell you I'm digressing. I would beg her with this one time. I said, can I please have a piece of cornbread? And she says, no, you can't have that. You're going to get sick. You've got to go out and do those exercises. And so I begged her and convinced her to give me one. She gave me a big slice. I think she was trying to prove her point. 
And lo and behold, the coach had us do belly flops in the field. I threw up. <laughs> so I didn't ask for cornbread after that, but I did eat it when it was the appropriate time. So getting back to my message, that has nothing to do with my message tonight and the fact that if you like cornbread, don't eat it before you go to football practice. It has to be believable. It's not just a matter of, am I holy enough? Am, am I memorizing enough scripture? No. If I tell someone, hey, I've got something you need. See, salespeople know this. Anyone in sales in here? Yeah, they know. They have to convince that their product, their thing, is the best thing you could ever have. And you need it. You can't live without it. Well, I don't really have to say a lot of talking and a lot of words if my life shows it. Now, I tell you, people who don't really know me like you know me, but they see something like, there's something different about that guy. He's got a funny hairstyle, but he's also smiling all the time. He's got a pep in his step. And they've asked me, I've had grown men ask me, and grown women ask me, like, why are you always so happy? And out in Colorado Springs, it's not because I'm taking marijuana, because I don't. Um, <laughs> it's because I have Jesus Christ. If I get myself in trouble, don't worry about it. I'll be on the plane in the morning, and then, you know, Mrs. Maynard can help me out later. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's because I have the joy of the Lord. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. That is a part of the good news. Let me tell you something right now. When Jesus Christ came into this young man's heart, and he did, and he has, and he is, my life changed. I don't have to make anything up. I'm not a good actor, but I'm a good testifier. Right? I have a cousin who's a professional actor. She's been in Spider-Man movies. She's been on commercials. You've probably seen her, and you don't even know she's my cousin. She's beautiful. She can act. I'm not an actor. But you don't have to act when you have the real thing. And so my point is, when people see that you smile, just a smile even, or they see in a guy a firm handshake, and, and he's not trying to, to swindle them or something in a business transaction. You know, that's rare these days that we live, right? And they see that you don't walk the same walk that the world is walking. And because the media always, I mean, ESPN, my goodness, they just hate the Buckeyes. Every, we don't help ourselves, but they hate the Buckeyes. They really, I'm, I'm convinced. But they just address everything negative. And church people do this. And so when you leave here tonight, you have an opportunity to go. You're going to go home. And if it's all that you do is go home, my challenge for you would be this. When you're with your mate before you go to bed, be positive. Just say to her or say to him, and you might have to do this by faith. Boy, your hair is gorgeous. <laughs> and you can ask God to help you for your lying later, right? <laughs> well, my mother always taught us, if you don't have anything nice to say, many of you were taught the same. What? Don't say anything at all. But we can also love. It's easier to build someone up than it is to tear someone down, right? It is. It's e or I said that the wrong way. But it's easier to tear somebody down than to lift them up. It takes an effort to lift them up. But guess what? When you lift someone's life, man, it's a powerful thing. That's the power of God unto salvation. So the Bible says it was the, the, it's the, the goodness of God that leads man unto repentance. It didn't say that I'm beating you up that's going to lead you to repentance. All that will do is cause someone to fear you and be, you know, away from you. And they won't receive anything you have to say. So that's why the Apostle Paul says it's the power of God unto salvation. All people can achieve this by the invitation that's been extended to everyone. Now we too can offer that good news to others in hope so that they can experience a personal confidence and a trust in God. I want you to say this after me. Today I will declare that I am fully confident and I am persuaded 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I say it is the power and my assurance of my salvation. Nothing can separate me from this eternal truth. You believe that tonight? In the power of the gospel, it has done it. It is finished. And we've heard songs sung about it. We've heard testimony said about it. But it's all true. It's all true. Nothing can separate you from the power of the gospel, the good news. The power of choice is my second point. And this is where we talk about identifying ourselves with Jesus Christ throughout life's situations. So if you will, in that same book, Romans, turn to chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. So Paul's saying here, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. When I read that to you, what what comes to your heart tonight? You don't have to tell me out loud, but something is struck inside each one of us. When I read that for myself, the first thing I pick up on is that God is, God is faithful. God said he would be with me. And there's nothing that I can do to, to separate me from that. It's not based upon my performance. It's not based upon how good I did something or how bad I did something. It's been based upon one thing right there, the cross. He made his mind up. So I cannot change it. He decided he was going to love me when I was unlovely. And when you were unlovely, he decided to come into your life and say, I love you. And yet, for some of us, we have a hard time receiving that still, even as Christians. Mm, but I did this, and you don't know my story, Marcus. And I mean, I've, I mean, this is my 18,000 marriage. It could be your 18,001 marriage. God loves you. I, yeah, he does. He said, where do you get that from? Right there. I know he loves people. Because many people in the word of God, they weren't perfect. The people that he used many times were so imperfect. I mean, look at the lineage of Jesus Christ. He came through a harlot, Rahab, right? I mean, and over and over you look at David's life and you look at Moses who lied and on all these different things. But yet God still used these people. And I think that sometimes those examples are there in their real lives. So that when we read them, we understand and we can identify I'm human too. I don't think sometimes the people who are Christians want to accept that they're still human. And as a human being, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not going to always get it right. But God knows my heart. And he knows my effort is not to offend him or to offend someone else. It's to please him. And that's why even when I don't want to forgive myself, even when I fail you and you fail me, God says, but I love you. And I'll tell you what, that's very, very freeing. For many of us tonight who have held on to things like this and you have your fist clutched and you say, I'm not letting it go. I'm not letting it go. They did this to me or I did this to them. I can't forgive myself. Guess what? I got news for you tonight. At some point in time, you can't hold anything. Why? Because your fists are clutched. And until you open them up like this, can you reach out and touch something new? But as long as you have it like this, you limit the power of God. It's your choice. It's a choice. No one has made you stay this way. Jesus Christ has liberated you. 
Look at that symbol even. Why did he stretch his hands out like that? To show you, I'm the power of the gospel unto salvation. I'm the good news. And the angels first proclaimed it. Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know how many times I heard that from the narrator up in that little, yeah. So it's good news. And Jesus Christ is that. I'm persuaded nothing's going to ever separate me from that. Not death, and there's been a lot of death. Not even life. Not angels or principalities or powers of things present or things to come. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Here's what we got to learn from that. What a promise we have from God that nothing can ever separate us from his unfailing love. You know what it means when I say unfailing love? It means love that doesn't fail. There was a song that was sung years ago. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. You might as well get thee behind me, Satan. You cannot prevail because Jesus never fails. It's a true message. He cannot fail. There's one thing I know about God. He cannot fail. He can never fail. You can bank on it. He cannot fail. And so that is called unfailing love. It's a certainty that we will all travel the road of hardship, of life's hardest times. There's going to be tough times that come in your path. But we have the opportunity in every circumstance when that happens to identify ourselves in Christ Jesus with him and what he has promised us. Remember, I said, he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. For the Christian believer, our life is to be filled with the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. And that doesn't mean that we ignore that we're human beings. But instead, we constantly measure our life against the standard in his ways more than what's happening to us. So oftentimes I'll talk with people. I deal a lot with college students, young people, people of all kinds of walks of life. And they say, well... You know, I just can't forget it. And I don't really want to forget it. I have a right to feel like this. Okay? And I tell them, it's not fair what happened to you. But you don't understand. My father left us. My father didn't leave us. I'm just making this up. But I didn't have a father and I didn't have a mother. They left me and I had to raise my kids. I had to raise my brothers and my sisters, myself. I could hardly read myself and I didn't have any money. And we were always struggling. And because of that, that's why I'm to myself. And I don't think it's anybody's business. And just leave me alone. I don't want to be bothered. And so you put this big guard. Or let's get real, really sincere here. What about the woman who didn't ask to be violated? And someone possibly raped her. Or a child who was molested. They didn't ask for that. And all their lives, they grow up with that tension. How about the woman who's been beat up night after night at home? And no one knows. And she comes and puts an act on. But deep inside, she's hurting. And she's rotting. And she's dying inside. Or the one who's been sick. And no one understands. Because they're not feeling the pain in their body like she is or he is. And so these are all realities. Or someone who was born on the unfortunate side of town. They didn't have anything. They lived in the projects. They had to scrape to get by. Maybe they had a second grade education, third grade education. I've met people like this and so have you. 
And I listen to the story after story after story, and I have my own story, and you have your own story. But when we all bring our stories to the foot of the cross, and we present them to Jesus, you know what happens there? He cancels it out. You say, well, no, he doesn't. Yes, he has. But we have to be willing to receive what he's already done. And so I was telling my class one day, I said, listen, guys, many of you want to be worship leaders and want to be worship pastors and all these kinds of things. And a lot of times you don't even know who you are. How can you lead someone somewhere you have never been yourself? You can't pretend that. Now, many people have tried, but they don't last. You either are with the Lord or you're not. But let me just give you a good, good, good tip here. Remember how God said he created you. In Genesis, it tells us especially how we were created. Despite popular belief and despite what people are going to do in the media, I don't care about that. I know what the word of God says and truth always wins. And he says we were created after his image and after his likeness. And then it tells me in the book of Psalms, if you want to put the scripture up, I think it's 139. We've been fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. God didn't make any mistake. He never created you wrong. You say, but what about the child who has autism? And what about the child who's handicapped? And what about the child who only has one arm? And what about the girl who did? And God, yeah, I know those things have happened. But guess what? That's not from the Lord. God didn't make a mistake ever. God knows what he's doing. And so when we first learn to understand and define ourselves and how God has created us, that's the foundation there, not what's happened to us. There's going to be other things that we have to deal with in life. And so it's an identity thing that I'm talking about. As long as you can constantly measure your life against Jesus Christ, against God who created you, you're going to be okay. But the moment you say, I don't like what he created and I want to be this. It's not just about appearance or about having things. It's our mindset. Many of us don't even like ourselves. We're like, I wish I could be like whatever. Well, you're not, but you're like you. And God made you because he wanted you. And he, we know so because he loves you. And he knows every hair on your head and everything. I mean, out now, the grains of the sand of the sea, they, can't, they outnumber his love. They can't even catch up with how much he loves you. That's how much his love is for you. It's, it's huge. It's vast. And so it's an identity thing when we say, ah, uh, yeah, I know that's what the word says. And I know that's what the Bible says, but I still want to feel like this. You're not giving God a chance to be God in your life, but you're rather adopting the fake. And the fake is simply that. I'll tell you this. It's a process to go through life's things. Yes, it is. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been through my own challenges. Many of you have been through greater challenges than mine. But at some point in time, and I believe it can happen before you receive a new body, you can have total victory over those areas of your life. It's just a matter for the taking. And I just chose in my life, you know what, I know things have happened, and this is stuff, but I cannot reside there. I can't live there. I cannot live on that street. Instead, I'm going to take the highway. And the highway is God's way. Amen? So that's the second point. It's on choice. Each of us as believers belong to him in a very personal and very real way. And remember this, that his ways are always higher than our ways. 
And what he is is never going to ever change. We heard that this morning. Say this after me. Today I choose joy. It is the very strength from the Lord. And I'm going to apply this knowledge as I go through life. I know I belong to God. And therefore nothing can separate me from him. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And my last point is the power of identity. This is God's revelation of who we are according to him alone. Now, I touched on that already a little bit. But when, and this is for many of us who are leaders in this church, and, and if you are an aspiring leader, this will be for you as well. How we minister should be out of who we are and not what we do. How we minister should be out of who we are and not what we do. So let me put it in simple terms. When I sing a song, when I write a song or I teach a lesson, whatever I'm doing in my life, the people who are on the receiving end of that, they know. They can tell right off the bat if it's something I'm putting on or if it's something that's coming from me. You ever seen an Italian grandmother in the kitchen? She says, Marcus, come here. I make you a food, a mangi cake, huh? And she'll sit you down. And this was my, I mean, in Pittsburgh for five years, it was amazing. It'll change your life. And I watched those old ladies, and they, I don't, they didn't have any recipe, but they would just put a pinch of here, a pinch of there, and a, a mass of this in there, and just put it in a pot. And then they ladle that all in a bowl. Oh, my gosh. I was like, are you kidding me? Can I have this again? <laughs> and uh, they said, oh, you, you need this. You're too skinny. We make a bigger fat. Uh, then you get a bigger fat to wife. Uh, I was like, no, I don't want a bigger fat wife. <laughs> but they cook like it's nobody's business. And southern women are the same way. And grandparents that have made, I mean, I don't know how you ladies do it when they make these pie crusts. So I like to bake. I don't bake as much as I used to. But crust is one of those things, you either got it or you don't. There's no pretending there, right? And there's nothing worse when someone brings you a Christmas gift and it's a big pie and the crust is terrible. And you're like... This is what you do. Merry Christmas! You know? <laughs> and, and you go home and you probably give it to your dog. The dog hides. But no, I'm just teasing. No one has ever done that in this church, so don't worry about it. But it's one of those things where they just know what to put in because it's who they are. That's how they were raised, and they saw it so many times. So my point is this. How can I sing or how can I minister Or how can I communicate something that is not me? But what if I begin to do those things because they are just a natural overflow of what I'm already doing in my personal life? That's a a greater, greater, greater experience than the other type. And I would encourage you tonight, no matter where you are in your faith and no matter where you are in your Christian journey, I'm telling you, start somewhere. Get with God. And you don't have to spend 5,000 hours with God a day. If it's just one verse that you quote and you meditate on, if it's a song that you love in your, in your CD player or your iPad or whatever you use, find that little bit and chew on it and just continue to chew on it and then swallow it and digest it. And what, you know what's going to happen in time? It's going to roll out of you. So when you meet people, you can't help but tell them good news because that's what's in you. So they used to say, when you hang around cussing sailors, guess what you end up doing? You cuss. If you hang around people who have a negative attitude all day long, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be negative. Guess what? If you hang out with God, 
you're going to be godly. You hang around good things, you're going to be good. And it's just, it's not Murphy's Law, it's truth. So I would encourage you to do that tonight. So when we had a clinic yesterday, that's why I was here this weekend. And so I worked with Pastor Tyler and the choir, and we had a good time. And I told them some different things. And, and one of the things that, uh, that I always tell our people is that, you know, how do you, how do you flow from your worship leading? How do you flow from your worship leading? It's, if you flow in an avenue of, well, I don't know if I can do this, or I, I don't even know about this song, or I don't know what it's really talking about, you're not going to have fruit that's bear, bearing from that. It's just going through the motions. It's just going through the motions. But, you know, people write songs, and they're trying to communicate something in about a four-minute or three-minute time frame. They have to get to the point. And it's usually something very personal that they share in that song. And it's not always a sad moment. It could be a joyful thing. Um, and you've heard all kinds of songs in your whole, whole lives. So that kind of uh, flowing in the, in the correct, correct type of worship leading or flowing, good preaching, good witnessing, those things are going to bear fruit. They're going to bear fruit. My question to you tonight is, another question is, do you desire to be a part of something greater than yourself? This is a huge thing with identity. A lot of times we can achieve things comfortably if we just do them ourselves. Let me do it. I'll take care of that. I'll take care of it. But when I say, hey, I need your help, now I'm sharing a risk. But guess what happens? Like he illustrated this morning, there's a team. There's unity. And many times it's greater than what we could have ever done by ourselves anyway. We just have to admit it. And so it's never been God's plan to have one man do everything. We know this because he created all of us. But it has been his design for us all to be a part. And so tonight, I would encourage you to be a part of something bigger than just you. Identity falls through with this. If I say, well, I only want to sing my song. I'm only going to come to church when I have to sing my song. And I'm only going to come to church when Pastor Tony's preaching. I won't come when Pastor Dave's preaching. Or I'm only going to come here when Ms. Dunoff is sitting on this side of this church. But if she's sitting on this side, I'm not coming. You've got some identity issues. And he said, that's silly. No one does that. Yeah, they do. I've met them. Not just in this church, but in every church I've been in. You know why? Because they're people. And you know why people do that? Because people are broken. Everyone. We're all broken. But guess what? Some of us have figured out. I, I, was, I was able to find a good glue. The glue is Jesus. And there's some people who have bought that glue and others who still are looking for it. But we've all been broken, and we all are needy, but we all have a remedy if we want it. His name is Jesus. There's four basics of your identity. Let me go over a couple of those. First of all, you're a child of God. We talked about in Psalms 139, I will praise thee, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knows right well. You are a child of God. Does that mean anything to you tonight? If you have children in this room tonight, if I came up and took one of your children away from you, you would fight me. You would say, no, no, I know they're rowdy, but you're not getting my kid. And because you love your child and you value them. That's how God looks at you. That's how he looks at me. He values us. If he values me that strongly, enough even so to bring Jesus Christ into this world, to die on a cross, to do everything so I could have everything. Don't you think it's pretty important that we value ourselves? Not worship ourselves. 
But remember, his spirit lives in you. And when you say, I don't like me, I don't like the way I look, I'm just trying to get this weight off me, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, and it's blue despair and agony on me. Every time your mouth opens, you're not valuing what God values. You're saying, I don't like it, God. Well, start reversing that and say, God, I'm not exactly where I want to be yet, but I'm thankful. Thank you so much. You can thank him for something. You can say, thank you for a right mind. Thank you, God, that I live in the best country in the, on the whole world. Thank you, God, that I had food on my table this morning, this afternoon, and tonight when I go home. Now, I don't know about you. I love having ice cream on Sunday night, right? Many of you like it, too. Um, there's just little things practical like that. But thank God that you have fresh, clean water, that you have fresh air. You're not in a smog zone. Um, there's, I mean, you have both limbs. You can walk from here to there. You can go to any store in this, in this town and get 5,000 kinds of ice cream if you want, right? We live in so much that we don't realize sometimes how much we have. And all it takes is for us not to have that, to realize, man, we really had a good. Another part of your identity is that my time with the Lord delights me. You know, having time with God is not something that is like, <sighs> I got to put my time in, God. Here I come. I'm going to spend five minutes with you today. All right, here we go. Jesus wept. And you sit there for five minutes. Jesus wept. Well, I'm not delighting in the Lord if I do that. I'm just going through emotion again. But man, if I get in God's presence. You know, the psalmist did this so well. If you want to know how to get in God's presence, look in the psalms. He says what? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Let, his, let me bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. You sing that song here, 10,000 Reasons. You know, and Andre Crouch wrote a song years ago, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. I mean, over and over again, we've heard those same verses come to life through songs. That's delighting yourself in the Lord. And, and we say, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is what? In the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate day and night. That's where he finds his joy. That's where he finds his hope. That's where he finds his comfort and his peace. He delights himself in the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not saying you're not going to have a problem. You may have a problem tonight. You may go home and have bad news all of a sudden, just like that. Guess what? It's happened to everyone in this room. And there's going to be a time when you need to be real with yourself and have that time of crying and have that time of relief, of stress, and cry it out. But after you've cried your tears and after you have gotten to the point where I don't know what I'm going to do, Lord. Get with God and say, Lord, but I know you do. Lord, I know you do. I give you this. And the Lord will take your burden and he will make it light. If you have Matthew, uh, this is not my notes, but Matthew, I believe it's chapter 11, verse 28. Let's look at that. What does it say? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. That's delight. Rest is good. How many are looking forward to rest tonight? Yeah, because I'll, I'll catch an early plane. I'll have to be there around 4 o'clock or 4.30 tomorrow. And so, yeah, but I'm an early riser. But even then, I still want my rest. There's joy in rest. And there's, we all can tell when we have rest and when we haven't had rest. We get short with people or enough time and we don't want to be bothered. But when you're rested, when your body's rested, you feel good. You're like, man, I was telling some of the guys today, I'm going to go hunting. Yeah, me. I'm going to go. I know you're laughing. You don't believe it, Randy Stewart, but it's going to happen. 
And it's like, you've got to take a picture in camis and send it to us for us to believe you. But I have some buddies in Colorado, and they say, we're going to take you hunting. And the one, <laughs> the one said, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to have walkie-talkies, and we're going to tell you when to shoot the gun. We don't want to be anywhere near you when you shoot your gun. <laughs> I said, that doesn't count. But um, I don't know if I can get into the spraying the deer urine over my body or anything like that, because I'm so you know, clean and like that, but uh, I'll see. But yeah, that, that's, that's like rabbit trail number two. Go to the Lord with your burden. Go to the Lord tonight with your care. Delight yourself in his presence. And what's going to happen? He's going to delight himself in you. The Lord, he, the word says he dances over us. It says in Zephaniah, he does. He loves you. He really does. And you know, it is, it's not, it's not a, based upon if you're a guy or a girl. He just loves you. And so why not love on him? Another point of your identity. You're a member of the body of Christ. Now, this is one that challenges people. You're like, what? I don't want to be a family member with her. I don't like her. I don't like him. I don't like my mother-in-law. I don't like my wife. No. You, you are a part of something bigger than you. Did you know that when you came tonight? And he, he was speaking it so perfectly this morning, Pastor Tony. But this is a body. Not the church, but you. And my life affects yours. And if you don't think so, all it takes is for me to go home and have something good or bad happen. It will affect you. If it's good, this is how it can affect you. I can come back the next time or whenever they have me, and I can sit down and sing another song that I've written because something good has happened. And guess what happens? You get to partake of that. But if it's bad, you'll also see that and hear that. And if I've done something that's not good, it's going to affect some of you, especially the ones that know me a long time. Do you see how that works? So you're not an island to yourself. Many people say, well, I don't want anyone to bother me. I want to be left alone. I just like to be by myself. There, you know what? That's only going to be so good for so long. Because even when you die, there will be people at your funeral that come. So you can't get rid of people. But the Lord has given you the ability to, to be in community with people. And to love people. And to be patient with people. That's called grace. Say it with me. Grace. Yeah. God gave you grace, and so the same grace that he's given you on your life, he wants you to give to others. And it's not a condemnation thing, but it's a freeing thing. Um, and that is a part of your identity, that you are something, a part of something bigger than just yourself. You're a member of the body of Christ relationally, spiritually, and musically. And here at this one point I want to get before I finish up. You are a catalyst. The word catalyst means like influencer, okay? Now, there's different kinds of catalysts. We have what we call an oral catalyst, like an auditory. We have something called a visual catalyst, and then we have a spiritual catalyst. As an oral catalyst, many times it's by what we hear people say. If I'm on a stage, we can think of it this way. A stage is something that's meant for performance. If you go to an opera house and you listen to someone sing, you know, and they sing an opera, and they sing all that kind of way, you know. That's a performance. And after a while, you hear the golf clap at the end of it. You either like it or you hate it. And so a stage is for performance. But a platform like this is for influence. So every time someone stands on a platform, especially in the oracle of God, they're influencing you. And they're either leading you towards God or away from him. Do you see the difference? So a performance is short-lived. It rises and falls on what's going on. But a platform is eternal. And it has eternal value to it. And it can many times have a lifelong value and, and measure to it. 
That's an oral catalyst. A visual catalyst is someone who shows that you're in love with Jesus all the time, even if you don't feel like it. Even if you don't feel like it. Now, many of us know that as a sacrifice, but it's really not a sacrifice so much. What I'm saying in this is that if I stand here tonight and I tell you, you need the joy of the Lord. Come on. Hey, kids, you want a, you want a prize? You want a prize? Do you want a prize? You, do you want a prize? She's like, why are you? Yes, you. Do you want a prize? No, not her, you. Do you want a prize? Let's make a deal. I mean, you believe because my voice tone is like up and about and all this kind of thing and it's extra fancy, right? It's like salad dressing, extra fancy. But if I say to her, hey, kid, here's your mom. Are you American? Why are you laughing at her? I'm talking to her. You want a prize? Huh? Don't be embarrassed. Be joyful in Jesus. Amen. Give them all the glory. You don't buy that, and I don't buy that. You've seen that, and I've seen that. But let's go, let's mix them two together. I go, get, 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 over here, and I'm like, hey, kid, over here. What if I balance it out in the middle? Hey, young lady, is your name? Are you Miss, Miss Lutzel? Is that your name? You're Jenny's daughter. Would you like a prize? <laughs> She's like, Mom, why is he picking on me? It's a balance. So many times the good news of the gospel is not received because people see this extremism. They see someone over here, gah, 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 gah. or they see some, mm. Brother Roger used to do it like this. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You know, we used to have to do that. I don't know if any of you, but we did in the teen department. Rabbit trail number four. <laughs> but no, my point is, if we have a balanced approach to it, that child will want that prize. That person out there will want to hear what you have to say. Guess what? When you come to church, you'll be interested in the things of God. Because it's something that's attainable. Right? You know who you are in Christ. You don't look for that somewhere else. Right? The identity of Christ is huge. And we live in a time where, unfortunately, people... And like Tony said this morning, I'll just piggy, piggyback off of it. When you don't see what this says, and when you don't understand what this says, you're going to always accept the falsehood of what someone else thinks. I'm so glad that as a child, one of the first things we did was memorize scripture. Because even when I didn't understand what all of it meant, it comes out of me. And I have some, something I can go back to. It's my rock. It is. It's my fortress. And so it's so important that your belief system be wrapped and settled in truth and not, well, I don't think they like me. No. What does God say? Oh, well, he says he likes me. Well, then that's what you need to go by. Oh, okay. And so you get the idea. So it's the power of our true identity in Christ. Let me give you a conclusion here. If you're going to pastor, then pastor your congregation well. If you're going to sing, then sing like the psalmist says. If you're going to sing, sing like the New Testament says, I will sing with the spirit and the understanding. If you're going to lead someone, lead with diligence. Lead with excellence. If you're going to drive a bus, do it without griping and complaining. Do it with joy. You know, when Brother Macaulay would always have that big old bag of bullseyes, 
Now, if you don't know what a bullseye is, I'll tell you what it is. It's a caramel, and inside is this white cream filling. And I convinced him to give me more than what he should. He always had extras because I loved those. You know, so if you're going to do something, do it with joy. Don't do it with grumbling and complaining. It's, it, it doesn't value anyone, anyone, anything. And so if you're a youth pastor tonight and you have youth kids, don't complain how their parents are raising the kids. Love them. Love them. It's an honor that you get someone else's child for that season of time. And maybe what they're not getting at home, you can give them as an extra. But they will always have their parents first. But love them. See, I've, I've learned as I get older, I don't have to agree with everyone. They don't have to agree with me. But I'm commanded to love them. And you're commanded to love me. Did you know that? Do you love me tonight? Yeah. Well, I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to stop talking. 